Welcome back to another episode of Trauma, Drama, and Life. I'm your host, Ben Taylor. And I'm Kayla Taylor. And today we want to come and talk to you guys from a couple of questions and statements that people had had that they sent in to us. So if you haven't had a chance or you want some of your questions or, or anything sent in, either DM us on Instagram or email us at ben at rawmotivations.com. Okay, because but several people have been emailing us. We're trying to take stuff that people put in, either the topics or the individual like texts that they want us to kind of break down and walk through. One of the things that has been one of the most prevalent questions a lot of times is when someone's in a narcissistic relationship and it gets towards the end. So after maybe the devaluation stage, like it's been awful, and then the survivor's like, okay, like that's it. I've had enough. I'm out. I'm leaving. And all of a sudden, it seems like things change, morph, become better. Uh, all of a sudden, the abusive person seems to be very attentive. The abusive person, you know, shuts off their second phone. They start communicating. They, you know, start spending time with the kids. They start doing like all these different things. And so a lot of times the question goes out of like, what does it actually look like at the end of the relationship when the narcissist changes? So before we kind of dive into that a little bit from our perspective, I wanted to first kind of go back and forth a little bit of like all the changes that I made in the relationship. So leading up to awareness, we're talking what, like eight years or so? Yeah. Um, I guess like seven years. I don't know. I lose track of time. We were, we were together for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so leading up to awareness, what about all the changes that I made throughout the relationship? Because this goes back to another concept of a lot of people say like i've changed everything for the relationship and then i ask them about the narcissist changing and they're like oh yeah he didn't really change i know personally from my narcissistic perspective i changed everything about myself no i'm just kidding <laughs> so like from your perspective what was some of the changes that i professed and that actually happened early on in the marriage i don't know that's hard that's taking this thinking back there's i mean I'm, I didn't say the podcast was going to be easy. I know. It's just thinking back to just or even early on. Really, it's just anything that you can think of. Like with, say, for instance, cheating. I'm going to stop that. Or, and but he didn't. He would just. Like I'd always better. say that I was yes. going to change. You would always say you were going to change. And maybe you would change for like one to two days and then you would start slowly getting back into like whatever or you would say you are gonna stop doing like stop yelling or stop guilt tripping me or manipulating or like mm -hmm. whatever at that time i didn't know that that's what it was but like showing up on time communicating right like, just even like simple things simple things you would say that and it would be fine for like a week maybe two weeks max and then it would slowly start going back down mm -hmm. and it was just that like repetitive cycle of like i would bring it up and then it would change for like a day or two and then it would go back and then eventually i just stopped bringing it up because a lot of times it would turn into like these big arguments or Something an argument like of me like justifying the change yeah of like i am changing what's your problem? yeah like why are you breaking this up like i did do x y and z don't you remember just last week i did this right. so like it's like yeah but that was last week but what about this time like right yeah and always using like one example or several examples in the past of like well you told me to stop yelling and i didn't yell that day what's the problem right you didn't tell me every single day i wasn't supposed to yell like almost like yeah i'm expecting you to to parent or to you know, describe or tell me what I'm supposed to do. And if you don't do that, then, well, it's actually your fault that I yelled at mm -hmm. you. And then if I said something, then he would say, you're not my parent. You're not my mom. Like, stop doing that or stop 
dreamy like that or whatever. I forgot some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, the main, the main point of that is just the aspect that there's a lot of changes that I profess, but not a lot of changes that I made. And, but, but each time it would go back and forth of me saying those things. And, and we see that happen a lot of times when we're coaching people and like walking through stuff of people being like, wait a second, like they, they said they were going to change. They said they were going to do this or they, they changed for a day or two. And then we noticed it didn't really stick. Mm-hmm. Then really actually like stay there. So then typically we'll see aspects happen at the end of the relationship where it starts to morph and change. And this is where it becomes like really dicey, I would say, for a lot of people is at the end of the relationship, it kind of oscillates back and forth. And we definitely had our share of months where it was oscillating back and forth of you leaving or me leaving. There was a lot of uh, indecisiveness on on both sides. And, yeah. you know, there, there's a couple of times that, you know, I threw stuff in a bag and said that I was leaving and, and you had me stay, I had you stay. Like there was always like this kind of like push-pull back and forth yeah and it's in that aspect like it's hard because when you have good days like you think I'm that sorry it... sorry oh, is that your apple watch? yeah i don't know why <laughs> that was my apple watch to be serious like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay anyways um anyways so there was times that i just lost my train of thought what was the question i don't remember oh at the end, end of the relationship, relationship. <laughs> there there was times that it was now good. They know this is unedited. I know, right? <laughs> there was times that it was good, and then you would think that, oh, we're getting better. But then the next day would be like twenty times worse than what it had been the day before. Or, mm-hmm. and so the back and forth just gets very taxing. And I think that at the end of the day, you, I've said this before, you have to choose your heart, mm-hmm. and. It's going to be hard no matter what. Right. But there's a big part I remember because there's really, out of my head, there's like two times that I remember of you like leaving. You know, one you like packed up and like left and came back a little bit later. Then another one you packed up and like left, left. Like you were like gone for, you know, quarter of a year or so. So mm-hmm. there's like a big aspects of that. But like each time that you were leaving, I remember there being... Um, I don't remember how much was shown, but I remember there being like a switch in my head of like, I need to do whatever I can to get her to stay. But at the same time, I didn't want you to stay. Mm -hmm. It was like a, a weird dichotomy kind of like going on. Yeah. What did that look like from your standpoint of me, you know, begging you to stay and things like that when you'd already made up your mind. And I'd also, at times I'd already like treated you bad, like a half hour before. Mm -hmm. I think in those aspects a part of me wanted to believe him. A part of me wanted to believe that he was going to change or that he cared or whatever it may have been. And I was still obviously learning a lot about like narcissism. And I think when I finally left, like actually left, there was, he tried to love bomb me back and things like that. But I already knew that this was the game that he played And I wasn't falling for it again because I knew that I needed to be strong enough to not only for myself, but also for my daughter. Like I didn't want her to grow up, get older and actually start to recognize the things that were going on in the relationship that her and her, her and Bennett, that Bennett and I have and realize that that's normal when it's not. Right. 
And I'm very thankful and it's by the grace of God that she was as young as what she was at the time. Mm -hmm. Because now if it, if it were to be happening now, she would definitely have a lot more um, emotional trauma trauma and know a lot more of what's going on because she's so aware of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there definitely was like aspects of me, as far as I remember, like begging you to stay, maybe not begging, begging, but like pleading, I guess, you know, like, you know, please don't go kind of a thing and then i'd be like upset that you were like leaving and then like it'd be like okay she's gone now i can actually like process or now i can actually like do whatever i wanted to do but there was really wasn't like a as far as i remember it was more like uh okay she's gone now next like let me like continue on with life and part of that was because i'd already been like thinking and processing that for a while because I didn't know if you were going to leave, when you were going to leave. And then I was like, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to do X, Y, and Z? Like all that kind of stuff was like going through my head. Yeah. But I remember even though there was the aspect of me begging you and asking you to stay, there was immediately just like the flip of, okay, she's gone, moving on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And as far as I remember, then there was like, you know, the day after, the day of, the day after there was, you know, text messages and stuff that I exchange with someone else, you know, being like, you know, yeah. Kayla, Kayla finally left, you know, let's meet up or whatever. Right. That kind of a thing. And so, cause a lot of times people ask of like, Oh, did you feel bad? And like in those moments, there wasn't an aspect of feeling bad. Cause I was too busy playing the victim. Like I was too yeah. busy being like, Oh, well, I tried. Quite, yeah. Right. Like, I tried. And then she left. Well, was me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, try not to put the blame on me of it's not my fault. It's, you know, your fault because you didn't see that as you're walking out the door, I'm saying, oh, I'll get better, you know, <laughs> when like right. 30 minutes before I'd done the exact opposite. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big aspect that a lot of people struggle with the concept and they don't really believe or like understand that a lot of it is a game. Mm-hmm. In the moment, there wasn't always conscious times that I thought it was a game, but I definitely knew that there was like manipulation there because I knew it was like a, like I said before, kind of like a dichotomy. It's like, okay, hopefully she leaves this time and I can like do whatever I want. Oh, but please stay so that I don't look like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. The other aspect was, I know we've kind of touched on this on a previous podcast, but the idea of like you came back And there was change there. Like you actually noticed there being, I think you said like a significant like difference. What did that look like? And what was kind of the thought process walking into that, knowing that the last time you'd interact with me in person was all fake? Yeah. So as I've touched on a previous podcast, it was definitely hard because I didn't know how long this was going to last. But at that point I had done significant healing and I was at peace with if he remotely goes back into what he was doing. Like I was at peace with leaving and being done. Um, but it just kind of is one of those things that whenever I came back, I had to be on guard and I had to make sure that I, was looking for consistent change. And I think that that's the biggest thing is consistent change more than just whatever your partner's cycle is. Mm -hmm. If their cycle is one week or two weeks, let's see if they can make it three weeks. Okay. You made it three weeks. Let's see if they can make it four weeks. Okay. Let's see if they can make it five weeks or two months or just continuing to make those changes. And obviously they're going to 
slip up a little bit, but it shouldn't be a significant amount to where it makes you automatically 100% triggered and wanting to run. Because there was a time, I guess it was probably like four months and there was like this bigger argument between us over something. I don't even remember like what it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember how I still at the end of the day felt a little bit on guard, but it wasn't as bad as what it was when I felt really triggered before prior to leaving. And we brought it up in our our counseling session and like we worked through that and all of that stuff, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything bad to where it made me think, okay, he's not changing. Like he's going to have slip ups because this is something that he's having to combat in his mind and the habits that he's having to change. Like he's having to rewire how he like doesn't manipulate or doesn't gaslight or doesn't love bomb or something like that. Yeah. Out of right. And there's still sometimes like joking, like we joke about it because he does like gaslight, gaslighting is like his second nature. And so there's at times that I'm like, I want to say, no, it's not. It's going to do <laughs> Perfect example. All right. But like, there's things like that, that he, he does. And I'm just like, dude, what are like, what are you doing? So at least in that point, like I recognize it and I'm like, no, like stop. So like, there's certain things that in my mind, like it doesn't turn into an argument. He's like, oh yeah, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rewind. Like you're right. Or you, I didn't actually say that or something. Right. Actually working, working through it versus just moving past it and being mm-hmm. like, you know, you're crazy. Like that's not right. something that we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. Actually acknowledging it. Cause I think sometimes people are like, well, they said they're changing or they said they're working on it, but you know, just acknowledging that it's there doesn't mean anything if there's if there's not change. If there's not yeah, and I don't recommend I don't recommend you p- continuing to put up with like gaslighting or manipulating and stuff if your person is not changing. Like they need to have consistent change for a period of time. Because... That's true. We said we we're gonna put disclaimers on all. We totally forgot. Yes, disclaimer, disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer. The two disclaimers: don't go to counseling with a narcissist, and don't stay with an, an abusive person. Period. If they're not being honest, vulnerable, and demonstrating consistent change. Yeah. Like, it's a lot different because at that point, he was being more vulnerable than he had ever been. He was demonstrating consistent change and things like that. And he was doing, he was trying his best to not gaslight or manipulate or anything like that. And at that point, I didn't really care when I came back. I just kept, I would call him on his bluff. And Mm. I think that that was also a true testament to his change because normally if I would call him out, he would immediately like his guard would go up and he would go into like, um, like fight or flight mode and he would either like come back at me or he would just be like, I'm not having this conversation end it and then walk away. And, Mm -hmm. or he would say, no, you're wrong. And then that was the end of that conversation. And I still had defensiveness. You did. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't like as, bad as it had been you were still willing to work through it mm-hmm. you just needed time to process that right it was just a lot harder i'd say like when you came back there was definitely like a a giant level of honesty that was never there before but i would even say when you first came back there was a level of vulnerability but it was also like scared vulnerability like it was an aspect that i'm going to be vulnerable at 10 percent and and start that process but i wasn't i would definitely say i wasn't like 100 percent vulnerable when you came back 
It wasn't like, oh, these are my emotions today. <laughs> like, yeah. That wasn't even a thing. And even today, I would say I'm much more along that path of being vulnerable. There's still a lot of other things to think through and process. And there's aspects I would say, this is me kind of guessing because we haven't even talked about this, but there's aspects I would say about your specific healing and my specific healing that we're more vulnerable in specific areas, like with our therapists than we are with each other, because we're not at a comfortable place to be able to share something that we're feeling or thinking based on various traumas yeah. or experiences. I would say like our vulnerability, our vulnerability, wow, that was a hard word, is like 60 to 70% oh, there. I was thinking 60%, but I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's like 60 to 70%. And for people listening, like this is this is only like a year out. Like we've been in therapy. You've been back a little bit over a year. Yeah, I've been. been in therapy, what, 10 months together? No, nine. Nine, ten, 11. 11 months? 11. So, yeah. We didn't prep our dates. So. No, we didn't. But it's been 11 months. And so this isn't, this is like almost like a year out and... We also didn't start off with like the greatest counselor. And so right. this is a year. Listen this to is our almost. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> um, anyways, so this is just. Yeah. So 60%, I would say, is very good for what we have experienced and what I've gone through and how much healings we've done and like the things that we've gone through even just over the last year together or whatever, maybe. Because I feel like it helps to put a disclaimer because otherwise I'd be afraid people would be like, oh, well, it's taken them a year to get here. Let me stick it out another year and see if it works. But just to reiterate stuff that you've already said, one of the big differences was the willingness of me to actually work through problems right. a year ago. Like of you coming coming back and us working through issues. Was it easy? No. Was it messy? Yeah. But there was still like a willingness to put forth that effort and bring about resolutions i would say mm -hmm. the, the resolutions weren't always you know the best resolutions are 100 percent there but there were resolutions that before there was no resolutions or nothing at all yeah and it goes back to that's also after we had been separated for a while so it's not like it's just not mm -hmm. like one day he woke up and was like yeah i'm gonna decide to change like it was a process right and i think it's important for people to realize that i think they need to be separated mm -hmm. and and it's easy for the narcissist to say that because oftentimes the narcissist wants to be separated so they can go do whatever. But like you said, if that's the choice that the person makes, well, then, it, it, you know, really quickly, okay, then it's time for divorce. You know, like right. this isn't working out. But I think a lot of people are afraid to separate uh, partially because of, you know, the control of the narcissist or, you know, their worthlessness or, you know, feelings of inadequacy that the narcissist has placed on them. But then there's also the aspect of like, what if we separate and it doesn't work out? there's still like a huge aspect of hope of like okay i'll separate but i want to make sure i can still get back together with the narcissist and hoping yeah. that they'll change or anything like that but i don't know do you have any thoughts on that as far as like sometimes the um the pushback on i i, I should probably separate and it would probably be good for my mental health but i'm afraid to separate because then i might lose that person yeah i I think it just goes back to you have to be 100% at peace and ready to, for that relationship to end. Mm -hmm. And you have to be tired of taking the abuse, the manipulation, the whatever you're dealing with um, aspect. And 
being able to 100% be okay with that. And it goes back to obviously when you're trauma bonded, like it's hard to leave. It's not an easy, mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing because you don't, you've just been in this like trauma bond with this person for so long, however long it's been. And you're starting to see their true colors and you don't want to face the facts of the relationship. And that like acceptance for like truth in yeah. the situation. And I, and I sympathize and I empathize with that and to like a huge extent because I stuck out before I chose to separate things got really messy for like a good year and a half from like 2020 to like the beginning of 2020 to like mm, almost mid 2021. So it took me, took me a year, almost a year and a half to just even leave. Right. Um, it was a little bit before, like, I think it was like April, May, somewhere around there Mm. of last year. And so I get it if you're in that stage and you're trying to end it but then you can't find yourself to end it like it took me a year and a half so or yeah almost a year and a half so I get that and I get that it's hard and I get that nobody can tell you to do it you have to come to that conclusion yourself do you think that some people stay longer in their relationship because their identity is tied up in another person yeah I think that that's I think that's part of it and I think it goes back to if you're a Christian, you'll understand this, but like we put people on pedestals and they become our idols. And then in return, when those people hurt us, we are crushed and we can't seem to get up because we put these people on pedestals. Well, in relation, in, in return, they, they're essentially our idol and like our idol shouldn't be a person. Like people are going to fail us every day. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, focus, no, there's no perfect person. Yeah. Right. Focus has to be on something that's actually true and right, but needs to be on something that's different than just reliance on another person, mm-hmm. whether that's their, like the image, the thoughts, the, you know, the, the idol, the, you know, identity, you know, anything like that, when it gets skewed in that regard, it becomes really hard to grow and to change, which I think is why it's so important to separate mm-hmm. and to work on yourself separate. So uh, I think that's a big aspect that a lot of times people struggle with oh probably one of the other last question i'll wrap up with is a lot of people ask you know why did i change because uh, most people most people want to know what did you do you know how did you how did you make him change what magic potion or wand did you wave to to make this narcissist change and when it comes down to it like there wasn't anything that you did and i think it's important which i think i highlighted before i think it's important for people to realize like i was already in emdr and therapy And then you left. Yeah. I think a lot of times people miss that. And I think that's a key part in our story for people to like, you know, wake up. Like I was already quote unquote doing the work and you left because the work wasn't showing any fruit. Right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't actually there. It wasn't producing change. Yeah. It was producing like maybe a little breadcrumbs of, breadcrumbs of change that would end up leading to something else that would make him not change even more. Like he would say like he's doing... He would say, oh, I'm not talking to any girls. But then he would just, and it would appear to not be talking to any girls, but then he just got better at how he would talk to other women. At hiding it. At hiding it, yeah. Right. Um, Whether via, like, Snapchat or 
deleting messages or something like WhatsApp, but he would Instagram, delete it anything. yeah but he would delete it in a way that if i looked at his phone it would seem like the conversation was flowing so he would just become more of a manipulator mastermind type mm-hmm. person so is it a big to wrap it up so we don't go like a 30 minute episode the big aspect for me change wise because at this time i'd already been in therapy i'd already gone through you know wake up warrior i already knew the concepts i wasn't applying them but i knew like the concepts and i'd become more aware than what i had in the past part of it was starting to reparent some of my emotions to figure out how to actually process things instead of running from them like running from the shame and guilt which perpetuated the cycle even more and then also some of the aspect of getting tired frustrated and burnout of having a cycle because knowing like how I've lived so far has only brought me so far. And I know all I'm going to do is keep perpetuating the same cycle mm-hmm. and ultimately going to just continue to destroy my life. And so I normally, I normally am quick to say that I didn't have a rock bottom because I don't really think I did. I don't really think there was a rock bottom that I hit. And if anything, I hit multiple rock bottoms throughout my life yeah. and they didn't do anything you know, from, you know, losing, losing my job when we were in a different state, like losing my job and wrecking my car and losing my house, like that kind of thing. Or, you know, where we were, you know, I lost you, lost the job here. We almost lost the house, you know, stuff like that, that would be considered rock bottom that a lot of times I would just transition to be like, oh, like I'm just a victim because of everything that's actually happened. It's not my fault. Right. People leave me. I'm loyal. I'm faithful. I'm a good person. All those lies that I would put on myself to try to justify the things that happened. So part of it was just uh, acknowledging that there was a cycle and acknowledging that it's not going to fix itself on my on its own, but yeah. it's up to me to actually start to addressing it and start to working on it uh, to change. Anyways, there's probably more there, but yeah, we'll we'll wrap that one up. If you guys want to, you know, write in or message us, you can do it on Instagram or you can go to Ben at rawmotivations.com. Just send us an email. You can click on the website rawmotivations.com. Send us a contact form. We'd love to be able to hear from you stuff that you're enjoying or specifically questions or things that you want us to read to give our opinions on different relationships or things that are happening. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're willing to do and open to that. We've had a lot of really good feedback from a lot of people that listen to this. So if you have a chance, like, share, rate, review, uh, help us out as we continue to move up on the podcast scale. And uh, as we ch- still try to reach and impact more people that don't have a clue of what they're going through and the abuse that they're suffering. So, yeah. Anyways, that's it. Y'all Thank have you guys day. for listening. Bye. Bye.